one. Hello and welcome to Fuck Back to Cereal Bowls. We have a jam-packed episode for your week. Quick little run through week four. Then we're going to stop, take a breath, and look at what's happened so far this season and what we're looking for heading into the absolute meat of this schedule. And then we're going to get into an absolutely loaded week five. If you have plans, cancel that shit. Weddings, send a gift card to Chili's and apologize at the Christmas party. Work, that cough. Sounds like you have COVID. I wouldn't risk it. Friends, are they really your friends if they're not also watching ball? Patrick, what the fuck's up, baby? God damn, he's fired up this today, boy. Let's go. I'm talking to this matchup that's got you fired up, the slate coming up. I'm loving it, loving the energy. This is going to be a great weekend. I'm going to be at a wedding. I'm going to be watching the Vandy UConn game at the wedding. Who cares? That's right. That's right, man. Oh, we'd love to see that. Um, before we get to week five, Let's run through last week. It wasn't super crazy in terms of volume, but we did have some good games. And here's a little nugget, a little Chick-fil-A nuggy. More ranked teams have lost through the first four weeks of this season time in the AP polls 85-year history. Absolutely beautiful. You know, the slate didn't show that on paper there's a lot of good matchups, but let me tell you what, there is a lot cooking this last weekend. Yeah, let's start with the prime SEC game, Arkansas 20, Texas A&M 10. Uh, Arkansas's defense pummeled A&M. They produced nine drives of five plays or less. Yeah, uh, as our friends over at uh, um, Shutdown Fullcast like to say, they put on a big old whomping on Texas A&M. I mean, take this Razorback stock to the moon, y'all. They are a physical football team. I mean, uh, they absolutely shut down uh, Texas A&M. They only allowed uh, 3.4 yards per carry if you take away that long spiller touchdown. Yeah. It, it was a sight to behold. You know, Arkansas was a team that we – a lot of people predicted to go 4-8 and eight at best, and now they're a top-10 team. Truly amazing turnaround. Yeah, they're – Absolutely on that ass. Calzada for AM was terrible. 20 of 36, which, you know, you see that stat line in a vacuum. You say, maybe that's not so bad, but he only threw for 151 yards and yeah. an interception. That's awful. Arkansas did exactly what we're supposed to do shut down the run game and make him pass because he's not great. And that's exactly what happened. And this is the outcome you get. Yeah. Like you said, AM had the one long run with Spiller. And that was it. They, so they had one big play, and then Arkansas just sat on them the rest of the way. Um, three sacks, nine tackles for a loss, eight quarterback hurries. Uh, they absolutely dominated that Aggie offensive line. Woo, motherfucking pig, baby. Um, now, kind of on the downside, that Razorbacks offense is a little shaky to me. Um they're going to need a little more pop. They want to challenge the real elite, especially if KJ Jefferson's a little banged up. Yeah, that's concerning. They, uh... But it is positive, and this leads us to our first reader question or listener question from our friend Steve. He says, how much of Arkansas' success this season is attributable to coaching versus recruiting versus luck? Well, um, I think it's a little bit of coaching and luck to be honest with you. Um, from 2018 to 2019, Arkansas went 0-16 in the SEC and 4-20 and overall. It was already miraculous that Arkansas won three games in 2020 when uh, Sam Pittman came in from Georgia. 
Um, so he hasn't really recruited as much to have this kind of swing, I think. Um, but I think he has really coached up this team to play physical. And I think they've got a little luck on their side from like surprising these teams. Like, Hey, we're here to play. That's what I think. You know, he's done a seller job so far this year. Yeah, I agree. I, I think this year's a little bit of a perfect storm for them. Um, they are playing a style of football that isn't as prevalent in the SEC anymore. It's not your, I mean, older brothers, SEC, really. I mean, it wasn't that long ago where Arkansas or Alabama and LSU were beating each other's brains into a 9-7 final. Um, so, but he, they do play that old school football, and I think that is benefiting them. And I think they're just taking advantage of a good situation. Um, he is a great coach, and his guys are playing – they play really hard for him. Um, and I think that goes a long way. Um, and I think that their style of play works really well against almost everyone in the conference. Do not look who they played this Saturday. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's going to be a tough matchup for them going forward as well as numerous other ones right after that. Yeah, uh, all that being said, Arkansas is one of my favorite stories of the year so far. Uh, absolutely. Like you said, an absolutely more of an SEC program. Uh, thought they made this smart, trendy hire by, with Chad Morris. He was an absolute bozo. And so they go old school, bringing an O-line coach, and it's worked out really well. And, you know, most programs aren't Alabama. Um, they only get to have these special type seasons every now and then. And I, I think that was that's what makes it so great. And I'm really enjoying watching uh, Arkansas whoop up on I guess the whole state of Texas at this point they've beaten Rice Texas and Texas A&M yeah just you know instead of the state of Texas scratch out that name it's now Arkansas Junior yep all right our next game oh boy uh NC State 27 Clemson 21 in double overtime more like DJPU 111 passing yards. Yuck. On 26 attempts. It's, uh, I mean, we all saw this coming. There, It was, everyone was saying, hey, if Clemson, you know, wants to get out of this rut, their offense needs to show up or they're going to lose. And that's what happened. I mean, they had a 28% success rate for Clemson and NC State had a 50%, almost 50%. I mean, yeah, you're going to lose that game with that kind of efficiency you have going on offense. It's completely non-existent. Um, Clemson had 10 first downs. NC State had 31. Yeah. Uh, they were averaging third and eight. Yeah. Um, you can't win like that. You no. cannot do it. And that's taking away the third and 22 outlier. I mean, there were two of 11 on third down. Is this DJ you or is it the offensive coordinator, Tony Elliott? I think it's a bit of both. Yeah, I, I, I would agree because we saw Longo lay last year in his two starts against Notre Dame and Boston College, and he was great. Um, and, you know, Dave Dorn's a great coach, but he didn't completely figure him out based off five game films. You know, um, Longo hasn't been great. But they're lacking. I think maybe they might be missing Travis Etienne more than we thought. Um, yeah. There's dynamic players on the outside. 
and sort of the open secret about Clemson, honestly, maybe one of the most perplexing things about their rise has been that they don't have those absolute dogs on the offensive line um, like Oklahoma normally does, like Alabama, Georgia, uh, you know, even non-playoff caliber teams every year like Wisconsin and Notre Dame. They don't even have a line up to that quality. And when you have Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, two of the greatest college quarterbacks ever, that kind of hides it a little bit. Um, but, you know, they lost those quarterbacks. They lost the skill position players. Their former OC, Jeff Scott, is now the head coach of South Florida. Maybe it's just a bad confluence of, of issues, but it's this bad. Is, it's just weird. I mean, you know, this offense is – Dabo Sweeney's a, you know, used to be a wide receiver coach. Um, yeah. And this this offense can't get any separation. The wide receivers can't do anything. It's, just, it's very surprising to see such a downturn for this team at such a rate it's going. It's just truly amazing. Yeah, it it's it's bizarre. I truly cannot really wrap my head around it. Um, and it's only going to get worse from here. Like I, I hate to be like laying on negativity here, but. They lost a lot of players in this game. Yeah. Will Shipley, their star freshman running backs, probably out for a good portion of the rest of the season. They lost. Yeah. Your favorite player, James Skalski, is hurt. Uh, <laughs> Brian Brees on the line. Tyler Davis on the line. They lost, like, all of their best players. So yeah. this is not pretty for the Clemson program going forward. Ultimate insult to injury. Um, this game was ugly. 24 total penalties. Three missed goals by NC State. Um, the aforementioned two of 11 on third down for Clemson. Um, it was, it was, a, it was a tough one. Um, that being said, we don't want to take too much shine off what NC state did. This is a huge win for that program. And Dave Doran, who I thought maybe at the beginning of the year might be a under the radar firing candidate. I don't think so anymore. Yeah. I mean, good for NC state to rid its demons, finally upsetting Clemson. I know they've been biting at the heels of them for a long time, but uh, the main takeaway here is Clemson's downfall. NC State's going to NC State. They're going to drop a dud soon. So enjoy yeah. this one while you can, Wolfpack. Yeah. Uh, so we have a, a, a few questions about this, Cameron, for our readers. Uh, Steve asked a second question. He says, who is the actual best team in the ACC right now? <sighs> Probably Wake Forest. Go Deeks. Um, I, I think it might be Wake Forest. I think, unfortunately, the real answer is it's probably still Clemson. Yeah, but I, I guess. Um, I, don't, I just, don't want that to be the answer. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be bad for the ACC if that's just because Clemson's pretty bad. And uh, I mean, technically, yeah, they have a great defense still, the number one in the conference. Um I just like Wake Forest offense a lot right now. They've scored like the most total points in school history through four games. So they're on a tear right now, but I hope they can keep it up because it would be a nice little change of pace with the ACC if they had another quality program come to power a little bit. Yeah, I, I would love for it to be Wake Forest. I, they're a lot of fun this year. Um, so that's what I'm rooting for. And I guess we'll, we'll, we'll really find out a lot about Clemson this weekend, hosting Boston College. Um if they, they should. If they don't, I mean, if they don't win that game, we got big issues. But I think if they struggle in that game, I think we. This is not a very good team. Um, 
who are your picks for the ACC title game? Well, I did say that Wake Forest is probably the best team in the ACC right now, but in the long run, and if Clemson gets his act together, I think that it's probably going to be Clemson, Clemson versus Tech, maybe um, Miami if they get their act right. But uh, it's just the ACC is such a clusterfuck right now; it's hard to figure out what's what. Um, yeah, it's it's a just a garbage fire. Um, I'm going to go with Clemson, Virginia Tech. That's probably your safest bet. Yeah, I am going to go Clemson versus, uh, I'm going to say the winner of Georgia Tech Pitt this weekend. Wow. Yeah, why not? Hell yeah, Georgia Tech. Um, so looking at Clemson's schedule here, they've got um, one, two, three, eight games left. Are, Steve asks us, are there any losses that could potentially get Dabo fired? Um, unless he loses every game the rest of the season, I don't even think he'd get fired. Um, yeah, I, I, I think this season for Clemson is starting to sort of remind me of Notre Dame's 4-8 and eight year a few years back, where everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Yeah. And... I think Clemson is smart enough. I mean, Dabo, this isn't an Ohio State situation where they've always been good. They've always been rolling. Dabo took them to that next level. So I think it would have to be, yeah, like you said, they'd have to go like one and seven to close the year out. One of the losses would be to UConn. And I think there'd have to be some off the field stuff too. Yeah, I think Dabo's earned himself uh, off year or two just for how yeah. much success he's brought to the program. But, you know, this is Clemson. They could easily turn around or, you know, in the short term or next year, fresh slate, you know. Yeah. So, uh, Dabo's safe for now. Yeah. Uh, a, another power that is escaped by the skin of their teeth, Oklahoma 16, West Virginia 13, uh Oklahoma got lucky here. I think that's the only thing you can really say. West Virginia was very sloppy. Bad snaps, costly penalties. Um, and then there was a play in the fourth quarter where a Mountaineer wide receiver was wide open in the back of the end zone, and the quarterback just sailed it. Yeah. Um, settled for a field goal, which, you know, losing only losing by three. They scored that touchdown. They probably would have won the game. Yeah, I – I mean, Oklahoma's running on luck right now. The three of their four wins have been completely ugly offensive displays. Um, Oklahoma's never leading until they kick the game-winning field goal. Yeah, uh, They're either tied or down the whole game. This offense is not good. I, the Oklahoma student section was booing and chanting for the backup in the second quarter and numerous other times throughout the game. That's how great Rattler's been. Yeah. He, there's There's – He's not really showing this Heisman quarterback play that a lot of people expected. Um, I mean, he is he is a quarterback that provides upside that negates his downside to help an offense, but he's not great decision making, and it's hard too for a quarterback like that with an O line that's not great. Um, yeah. they're really missing Creed Humphrey right now, who's the center for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, they just can't run the ball or anything. No, Eric Gray, the Tennessee transfer, 12 carries for 38 yards. He had a long of 
eight. Yeah, forty uh, percent uh, of the runs went for zero yards or negative yards. Yeah, that, that, that I think that's the issue, and it puts way too much on Rattler, who, as we've seen throughout his career, loves playing hero ball, and it works out a lot of times. I mean, he's supremely talented. He's a very good player, but when you're asking him to do everything and the defense knows he has to do everything, um, that's an issue. Their longest run of the day was a nine-yard scramble by by Rattler. Yeah. That isn't going to get it. It got it done against West Virginia, who is – I don't think they're that bad, but they're not all – They're going to do good defense. They'll yeah. get you places. Yeah. Um, so I am – very concerned about Oklahoma moving forward. Uh, watching what Texas did to Texas Tech, um, I've got Red River circled on my calendar. Yeah. Um, just because I think – I don't think Oklahoma can keep up with that Longhorn offense. Yeah, it's going to be – It's this is such a weird year right now. It's yeah. – um, there's not a lot of true top talent – being displayed from top programs and you know it's something that you know would think would figure itself out by week two or three but we're getting into like the meat of the scheduling of all these uh teams now and it's so many there's way too many questions on this Oklahoma offense yeah and it does not get any easier for them moving forward they go to Kansas State this weekend and then it's Red River um, and then it's TCU the following week. So this is a very tough three-game stretch. If they went one and two in that stretch, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I agree with you there. Elsewhere in the Big 12, Baylor 31, Iowa State 29. Uh, Baylor got lucky in this game, I think. You think so? I, I think a little bit. Lucky um, may not be the right word, but Iowa State outgained them. 479 to 282. Um, they were both about the same on third and fourth down efficiency. Iowa State ran the ball better, but Baylor had that long kickoff touchdown, kickoff return touchdown. I think that really helped them. Yeah, their special uh, teams saved this game for them. Yeah. For Iowa sure. State failed on the two-point conversion at the end of the game. Uh, I, I don't really <clears> – <throat> this is going to be weird for a team that's two and two. You know, Purdy wasn't perfect. Um, 263 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Uh, but when the run game's going like that, that should be enough. But I'm still sort of not convinced that Iowa State is not the best team in the conference. Yeah. Um, they're, I guess they're still like a top 20 team in my eyes right now. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, they- Baylor is ranked now. And when did like Dave Arnada, their head catcher of the Baylor Bears, has had something going under our noses this whole time? And I've just like realized, oh, they're ranked now. When the yeah. hell did this happen? But yeah. they, uh, I mean, they opened they up, they didn't with necessarily lose a bad game, I think. No, um, it's just like you said, it was a little bit of luck on Baylor's side. And I think Iowa State kind of looked a little ahead of the schedule on this matchup, yeah, but. They could easily um, kind of weather the ship, I guess, and go forward. But, I, I mean, Brees Hall's doing great, like you said. A 27 for 190 and two scores. But I, I don't have any faith in Brock Purdy right now. And yeah. uh, 
it's just tough. Yeah, so th- that's just something to watch. Uh, I think we'll, we'll learn a lot about both these teams as they go along. Iowa State kind of, I mean, they get Kansas this coming week. Um, that's what we call a get-right game um, right there. Um, but, you know, Baylor's got a big one at Oklahoma State this weekend. Uh, they win that game. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking this is a team that can win the Big 12. Wow. Yeah. Mm. I like it. All right, that ends our sort of general recap of week four. Now we're heading into our favorite time. The hosts gas up their teams. Uh, I'll open it up. Notre Dame 41, Wisconsin 13. Paid no attention to how we got there. Just look at the final score. That's all that matters. Nothing to see here. That's right. Nothing to see here, folks. It certainly was not 13-10 early in the fourth quarter, Wisconsin. It certainly was not. Yeah, that was, I mean, uh, good teams find a way to win, Ned. And once that kickoff touchdown happened, that changed the game for Notre Dame, I think. They came out feeling great. Those two pick sixes. I mean, what is there any other better feeling in football than watching your team score pick six and then uh, do it again? No, there really isn't. It, it's been a while since they've had – a pick six, but having those back to back was delightful. Um, Graham Mertz is not good, especially. Yeah. <clears throat> my real concern going into this game was how Notre Dame was going to try and bottle up Chesma Lucy, but they did. They held him in, in check uh, for most of the game. <clears throat> 18 carries, 54 yards. For me, this is the, this is the key stat right here. His long run on the day was 10 yards. And so you've got – so they sat back and said, all right, Graham, you beat us. And he said, okay. And he threw 41 times for 240 yards and four interceptions. I do good. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's pretty funny how Wisconsin's uh, notable consistent program of being good running the ball and having a decent offense and a pretty stellar defense. And they went out and recruited the highest touted quarterback they could in Graham Mertz. And he sucks. Like that is pretty funny to me. Yeah. He, I was impressed with him in his, his short time last year, but clearly from what I've seen in the Penn state game and in this game, he doesn't make good decisions. No. I think that that's the biggest issue. Sure, he misses some throws, but this isn't the NFL. Quarterbacks miss throws, but he just makes bad decisions consistently. Yeah, like I said, uh, the most consistent football program in the last decades, I would say, has now lost yeah. seven of the last 12. Yeah, that's not, uh, that's not great. You uh, want a uh, fun fact about your Notre Dame Irish? Oh, absolutely. It's the first team since 2000 to score 28 points and have less than 10 rushing yards. <laughs> wow. Pretty wild. I believe it, though. I mean, that was another thing. They, I'll give the offensive coordinator some credit here. From early on, he wasn't like, let's just bash into the middle of the line for one yard. Um, they came out throwing, and it worked out. Um, Cone. He got twisted up at the end about halfway through the game. 
So that's something to monitor. Kelly says he'll be okay to play this Saturday. Um, but the backup came in and was pretty dynamic. Drew Pine, 81 yards on eight attempts and a touchdown. And he's a little more mobile, which uh, I think worked out sort of well because Notre Dame's offensive line is still really struggling. Tosh Baker, their left tackle, um, even if you weren't a huge football fan, you could watch that Wisconsin game and go, this guy is having major issues right now. So um, we'll get to it more when we preview this week's game against Cincinnati. Um, but I, I think Notre Dame is scheming well to cover up their deficiencies right now. And they haven't gotten burned yet. Um, we might see that this weekend. Yeah. Now, I think maybe the most riveting matchup of the day, a, it went down to the wire. People on my timeline were talking about this left and right. It was Georgia points versus Vanderbilt total yards. Yeah. Um, so Georgia won this game 62 to Vanderbilt's zero. Um, it was not until late in the fourth quarter when Vanderbilt finally had more total yards than Georgia's actual points. Um, that, that was tough. I, I put down basically a second mortgage on Georgia's points. So <laughs> it's going to be a rough Christmas over here. It was truly a sexy game to watch if you're a Georgia fan because every time I would look down and look back up in the first quarter, touchdown. It was 35-0 going to the second quarter. It was just – Beautiful offensive display. Exactly what we need to see as Georgia fans. Um, their defense still elite. Uh, 63% of Vanderbilt's runs went for two yards or less. Um, JT Daniels looked competent. Uh, he kind of uh, might have crept up in the Heisman rankings looking, you know, the past few weeks. I know, um, you know, Georgia's offense has been in question for a little bit there. But in the past three games, they've scored a total of 158 points. So I think that they know how to be competent and efficient going forward. Yeah. They, yeah, JT Daniels, a casual 9 of 10, 129, two TDs. Let me just grab some Gatorade and chill. Yeah. Uh, that's, no, I don't think anyone got hurt for Georgia in this game. And I think that's what's most important. Exactly. Yeah, they're going to get uh, some offensive weapons back. Uh, coming this week that they haven't played yeah. this season yet, which is exciting. Um, I know it's kind of ass backwards right now because Georgia has been known to be a very potent rushing attack. And a lot of people have been looking forward to Zamir White, James Cook, Kendall Milton to uh, really pop, but they actually have been kind of struggling a little bit, but I think this game was a get right for uh, get right game for them on the ground as there was five rushing touchdowns and they handed the ball to almost everyone to get some, you know, experience and reps in. Yeah. for this grueling October month they have coming up. Yeah, that's that's going to be a, a little tough for the dogs. Um, so that ends our – those are the big games of week four. Um, just quickly, Oklahoma State 31, Kansas State 20. That – I kind of expect a little bit more of the Wildcats, but we'll get to the Oklahoma State game later. Michigan State 23, Nebraska 20 in overtime. Patrick, are you starting to feel bad for Scott Frost? I sort of am. Ah, uh, Scott Frost is um, five and fifteen in close games. He is the king of losing close games, and I feel bad for him, man. I'm starting to. Yeah. It's all it was all fun and games, laughing at him losing to Illinois and dropping other shitty uh, matchups in previous years. But man, his team is not helping him out. 
Um, yeah. I don't know if you saw the pre- post game, but he was furious with his punter. Yeah. Uh, wrong direction for yeah. the cover. Yep. He kicked it to the left when the cover was to the right, resulted in a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, and he had a seven yard punt. Um, and on top of that, Adrian Martinez threw a pick in overtime, led to the game winning field goal. Yeah. It's, it's tough over there. Um, Florida 38, Tennessee 14. Tennessee made this interesting for a hot second. Uh, my ears sort of perked up. And then Florida sort of just shifted into the next gear, hit him with that double pass touchdown. And I said, okay, never mind. Yeah, um, it's truly impressive what Dan Mullen has been able to, uh, I guess, shape shift this offense after losing so much. Um, Emory Jones looks great. Um, They've clearly tailored this offense to his strength and playing around his weaknesses. It's very awesome to see how they are somewhat not as good as last year, but they're, they're, they're good and they look more comfortable. I don't think Richardson's going to be knocking on the starting quarterback door for the rest of the season. Um, It's very exciting for Florida that they're not, a lot of people are down on them after losing so much talent, but they seem to be holding their, you know, pulling their weight. Yeah, Jones has really impressed me, even going from week one to where we are now with him. Yeah. Um, Iowa 24, Colorado State 14. Colorado State this game fairly late. Iowa sort of had to pull off a miracle comeback here. Um, that is a troubling sign for me. Colorado State uh, got blown out by an FCS team to open the year. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure by the end of the year that Iowa's defense is going to score more points than Iowa's offense. Yeah. Yeah. LSU 28, Mississippi State 25, avenging the loss last year for Coach O and the rest of the Tigers. Um, Don't really have too much to say about this game. They really let Mississippi State creep back in there at the end. Um, It's a good win for the Tigers. We'll learn a lot more about them this weekend. Michigan 20, Rutgers 13. This one seems a little closer to me than it actually was. Uh, Michigan sort of jumped out on them and then just kind of decided not to play anymore. Yeah, uh, they had a beautiful, absolutely gorgeous 17-play, 74-yard, almost eight-minute drive, and 15 of the plays were rushing plays. Uh, yeah. it was that, that is old-school, run-the-damn-ball offense that we love to see. Yeah. Um, Rutgers – Feisty. They're feisty. Yeah, they uh, they came to play. Uh, they had an opportunity to tie it. They didn't. Um, it's Rutgers is for the past few years has always been like a team of like, how, yeah, it's Rutgers, but they always come in. They're ready to play. Yeah. Um, weirdly enough, Shiano seems to be the perfect guy for that to have that specific job. Right. Okay. So we're going to take a little stock of the season so far. We are a third of the way through the year. Uh, more or less conference play is about to really get going and we just kind of want to check in on where we are as sort of a sport right now obviously the big story is the superpowers of college football are struggling um or at the very least vulnerable alabama does not look like the typical death machine we're used to um and then you know clemson has two losses Georgia, the offense is a little questionable. Oklahoma can't move the ball. Um, Ohio State can't stop anybody. So I think this has really set us up for a really exciting year. 
It's it's already been very exciting. Uh, this we're in life. Honestly, think we're in uncharted territory right now. This is the first time in a very long stretch where, like you said, we don't have a definite top four teams. And every week, like no matter the slate, whenever we think of it, we're like, oh, all these games kind of suck. There's always something crazy going on. I mean, six ranked teams lost Saturday. And yeah. we looked at the slate in last week's preview like, eh, meh, it's whatever. But, yeah. like, I mean, like you said earlier in the episode, uh, I think this is the most since 1936 that a total of 25 um, ranked teams have lost in four weeks. So it's it's very exciting. Yeah. And I think that's just only going to continue. Um, we're guaranteed of it two more ranked teams losing this week uh, because of Notre Dame, Cincinnati, and Arkansas, Georgia. Oh, three because of Ole Miss, Alabama. So we're just only going to add to that that tally, not to mention all the oh, four, Baylor, Oklahoma State. That's what I'm talking about. This is a loaded weekend, folks. Yeah. We got a chaos year happening, and chaos years are always the most fun. Yeah. Um, obviously, everyone references 2007. I think that's when no, the number two team lost like eight times. It was like a cursed spot to be. And then, you know, obviously the season opened with App State beating Michigan. Yep. And we're kind of seeing that. There's been an uptick in FCS upsets this year. Um, the games are crazy. I mean, Memphis getting a phantom punt return touchdown to upset an SEC team. Um, that's up there for me. I'll be honest. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a wild one. And we are only four weeks in. Right now, Patrick, who are your playoff picks? My legitimate playoff picks right now, taking a um, look at everything. It's obviously right now the top two teams are Alabama and Georgia. And the next yeah. two picks are tough. But I think if Oklahoma can get it straight on offense, they'll be they'll have a playoff spot. And the Pac-12 is going to have a seat at the table. I think Oregon's going to – I've been down on Oregon beginning of the year, but they've been you know showing up. Uh, Anthony Brown's been pretty decent, so I'm going to take Oregon in the fourth spot. Uh, those are my exact four playoff picks as well. I think – It makes the most sense. Yeah, I'd be more willing to pick maybe Penn State or Iowa or Ohio State, but I think the Big Ten is just going to sort of cannibalize itself this year, um, and I don't think any of those three teams makes it through unscathed the rest mm-hmm. of the Agreed. Now, fun twist. Who are your absolute sicko playoff picks? You're looking at the rankings. You're looking at the upcoming schedule, and you're you're cackling to yourself. Man, as a um, fine sicko here, I think I'm going to be taking uh, Georgia, Oregon, Iowa, and Cincinnati in my uh, four. That is delightful. That is old school football right there. None Nobody's going to want to watch that playoff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that man. It's going to be the two of us and then uh, Midwesterners in their 50s. Just yes. absolutely. What about yours? For me, I it's actually sort of similar. They're all sort of themed. Uh, it's Florida. Um, that They're very chaotic team. Ole Miss, the most chaotic team in the country probably. And then Maryland, another equally chaotic team. <clears throat> I've got all three of those. And then defense, schmefense. Yeah, and then I did. I do still have Oregon in there. If I want to get crazy, I could pick UCLA or Arizona State. I think that'd be fun. Um, yeah, that would be 
you'd, you'd flip by, you'd see the bottom thing and be Florida 63, Ole Miss 60. You say, oh, basketball started. Yeah. <laughs> you say chaos, or you say chaos, I say that's swag. That's a lot of pop and color and swag on, right there. Yeah. I, I mean, the best scenario would be Maryland and Oregon playing in the first round, just so Nike and Under Armour would just try to out-ugly each other. Those uniforms would be insane. Oh, man, that'd be beautiful. Who do you have leading your Heisman ballot right now? Uh, it's obviously Matt Corral, uh, Ole Miss's quarterback. Yeah. Um, no no been... question right now. I, I don't even think there is a close second. You could maybe say Bryce Young, but I, he hasn't really – I mean, he's good. He's great, but he hasn't popped like Matt Corral does. Yeah. they. Those are the only two people who are really on my ballot right now as well. Um, obviously, more people will emerge – like you said earlier, JT Daniels is a great one. Um, if Texas keeps it up, Bijan Robinson, I think, could be a good one. But right yeah. now, like you said, Corral is just um, 997 yards, nine touchdowns, no picks, um, a quarterback rating of 186.9. Not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah, over 10 yards in attempts. That's what you want to see. And the key for to really win the Heisman is – what are your opportunities to be seen? And Olmus has a big one this weekend. Right after that, we have Arkansas. And then, you know, it's the SEC. So they're going to be the, in, the, in the focus of the sport. So yeah. I think Corral is a good one. And that would be very exciting as well. Um, and now, we made some preseason predictions on here. Um, some of us speaking right now thought maybe UNC or Miami could challenge Clemson. Whoops. Um, <laughs> so do you have a game that it, it looked like it was going to be an amazing game to start the year at the beginning of the year? And now it looks awful for, for me. Like I said, UNC Miami, this was supposed to be a battle for, for the supremacy in the coastal. Who's going to upset Clemson. Who's a hot new team. Even if they don't beat Clemson, we're probably looking at a new Year's six bowl. Uh, now it's looking like a battle for bowl eligibility period. Yeah, um, I think for me, uh, I thought Washington was going to be something good this year, and they lost week one to FCS Montana. Yeah, that means. Um, yeah, that's not a good look either. Uh, Washington's not doing great. Um, they sure are not. And then uh, a game that I thought was kind of going to suck at the beginning of the year, but now looks like it could be amazing. For me, we just talked about them, Ole Miss in Arkansas. Um, that game is not this Saturday, but next Saturday. There's an outside – I mean, it, it would take two upsets, but that could be a top five game. Yeah, that um, – I agree with you there. Um, I'm trying to think of a matchup in the future that I thought was going to suck. Um, man. Like, yeah, Arkansas Ole Miss is a good one. I think Maryland-Ohio State might be yeah. a, uh, a decent one coming up um, because Ohio State's kind of shown that they're not doing well offensively and their defense is atrocious. And Maryland, pretty damn good now. I mean, great offense. Their defense is all right. I think that would be a, you know, three weeks ago, I would have had Ohio State all the way. Now? Yeah. Maryland might sneak a win there. 
And, and I think even if Ohio State does win that game, I think that's going to be a game where the final score is in the 40s or 50s. So yeah. I, I think that game's going to be a lot of fireworks. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Now, we talk about being sickos a lot on the on this pod. Um, what has been your sicko move of, of the year so far? I've been watching some FCS games. Not going to lie to you. Um <laughs> Disgusting. I love it. Yeah, like I, I, I've been trying to get a hold of video of watching Presbyterian play. You know that famous coach that never punts and only kicks onside kicks. Yeah. Um, it's truly electric to watch when it works. Uh, I think like the first two weeks they scored about 178 uh, points total, but it also backfires. And the past two weeks they have allowed 163 points. Um, and they're now two and two, obviously. But uh, yeah. It, it it FCS football is sometimes just uh, a legal treat. You would I would say to uh, <laughs> watch during uh, big slate games. Yeah, I watched a ton of VMI football last year in the spring season because you know I'm from Lexington and I was like I'll just peep in here just to check in, and then by the end of it I was like sweating out VMI games. I'm looking at the SoCon website. I'm pulling up the FCS top 25, getting mad at these voters from towns I've never heard of. <laughs> I'm like, how could you possibly say Northern Iowa is better than VMI? They beat Wofford, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's truly great. Yeah, so I've also been keeping up with the FCS a little bit too, but honestly, uh, for me, I've been pretty clean and sicko sober. Um I did watch a little too much Stanford, Kansas State to open the year, um, but I have kind of just been eating a lot of the big games. Um, I guess a sicko move is watching Peacock to watch Toledo almost beat Notre Dame, but <laughs> I'm a Notre Dame fan. That's sort of cheating. Last weekend, I um, caught a little bit of the Duke Kansas game because that was a high scoring affair. Yeah. That one, that was kind of, I mean, it was disgusting in all of its glory, but uh, they were scoring touchdowns. It was, it was a little bit, I, I was kind of, I felt kind of gross watching it. Yeah. Almost like if someone came in, you changed the channel really quick. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll do the check-in again as we get probably another four or five weeks from now, as we really gear up for the stretch run and the playoff rankings are out, and we can get mad when they rank Cincinnati 22nd uh, despite being 10-0. Uh, and that's when we'll really get to hollering. Now we're going to go to our normal segments. We'll start with everyone's favorite, studs and duds. Patrick, who's your stud this week? My stud this week is Jeff Sims, uh, quarterback for Georgia Tech. Absolutely. This dude uh, not only beat that Tar Heel ass, um, he went 10 for 13, 112 yards, one touchdown. And also went 10 carries, 128 yards, and three touchdowns on the ground. And a little cherry on top of the ice cream sundae, he didn't even start this game. He came in the second quarter. Yeah, that was – we're just going to – because that segues perfectly into my dud. My dud is North Carolina. This team sucks, dude. What? They got embarrassed by Georgia Tech. That game was not close. Like you said, Jeff Sims dominated them. Hey, uh, Virginia Tech, 
How's that UNC win feel now? I bet you oh, feel nice my. and gross, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Wallow in your filth. That that should have been the setup for the year. We should have known. We opened the season with Tech, you know, beating North Carolina 17-10. And everyone's like, this is crazy. And it meant absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> because that's how crazy the year's been. Um, just what what are we what are we doing here? 35 carries, 63 yards, 1.8 average against Georgia Tech. Um, I thought Mac Brown was this wizard who had it all figured out, recruiting at a high level. I don't know what the hell happened here. He got sacked uh, nine times this game. Awful. Mm. I I don't I I knew they were losing some skill position guys in the NFL. I did not anticipate this. Right. Um disc- Absolutely vile. I feel bad for ever having believed in them. Uh, who do you got as your stud? My stud, this is a bit of a homer pick, but it's Marcus Freeman, the Notre Dame defensive coordinator. Yeah, it's a, it's a good good pick. The first two weeks were a little rough. They were giving up big plays. They were missing tackles. He made the questionable decision to go to a three-man front against Florida State late in that game. Let Florida State back in there. And we and Notre Dame sort of had to pull that out in overtime on the road. Not really a position you want to find yourself in. But the past two weeks, the defense seems to have settled into his aggressive attacking style. And it's really paid off. Their nine interceptions lead the nation through four games. Three and a half sacks per game puts the Irish on pace to crush the Brian Kelly era sacks record by over 10. So I think Freeman's style is it's it's sinking in the messaging it's working. And I, and I think especially if the offense is going to continue to struggle, like it, like it has, you need to have plays made by your defense and it's a good complimentary football right now. So uh, hats off to you, Marcus. Yeah. Um, for my dud, I'm going with Minnesota. Um, (laughs) you were a 31 point favorite for Bowling Green and you lose 14 to 10. This was the first time Bowling Green held a power five program under 10 yards since they beat Missouri in 1995. Um, PJ Fleck, man, Minnesota's dead. Uh, PJ Fleck is 0 for 17, went down at halftime. My man is maybe, I don't know, he might be on the hottest of hot seats right now. It's just, he's he's got a problem. He's the star running back in Muhammad Ibrahim, but dude. What's happened to this program? Uh, it, I yeah, like you said, he did lose his running back, but this shouldn't matter. This is a worse loss than Montana being Washington. Like this should not happen. This team was one of the absolute worst in FBS last year, led by a dead end coach and the defense is Brian Van Gorder, that moron from Notre Dame. Um, this is it's inexcusable. Uh, yeah, it was, it's it's not a good look, man. And he's been there a minute, and they're rowing the boat, and they hung with Ohio State for about three quarters to open the year, and uh, the boat's springing a few leaks. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that Minnesota's done for the year. Yeah. Um, now, our frauds of the week, I'll open it up. 
Liberty. You absolute fucking bums. I'm supposed to give a fuck about this team? Ooh, Malik Willis, QB1 Malik in April. Willis. He stinks. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got to be able to handle the snake pit of the fucking carrier dome. Get out of my face. I, <laughs> Ole Miss is going to score 100 on these idiots, and I cannot wait for that. Yeah, um... Liberty, uh, it's just you got Hugh Freeze is there. They got a potent offense. They're always, you know, dark horse, upset team. No, thank you, man. I've seen enough. I'm tired of hearing about Liberty. I'm tired of hearing about that church down in Lynchburg. No, thank you. I want to say thank you to Syracuse for saving us from the media cycle of saying, oh, Hugh Freeze has got it going down in Lynchburg right now. No thanks, dudes. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Um, on that note, uh, my fraud of the week is the entire ACC. Um, yeah. What the hell, guys? Terrible. One, one, one division was supposed to be bad. Not both. Not, not both. Uh, Clemson was supposed to be the pillar of, hey, we're a competent conference we're good we you know we got a top four team every year not anymore you don't who's the next guy we don't know everyone's pointing at each other like you you yeah. I yeah. It. clemson's supposed to be your front porch and um the building's been condemned uh this conference it's i mean it is sort of fun but it's in the way that the nfc east is fun yes. <laughs> It's 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 an ugly. It's a bar fight. Someone's gonna fall out into. I mean, the ACC championship game could be two eight and four teams. Like like we're watching the, the goddamn match championship. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? Uh, the best team is could be Boston College, who doesn't even have their starting quarterback. Yeah, it's uh, some somebody's gonna get stabbed in this bar fight, and. Um... Clemson's already been stabbed. Somebody else is going to get stabbed. It's I don't. It's just ugly. There's going to be a lot of blood. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is. I I can't. I'm looking at the stands right now. I can't make heads or tails of anything. If any of these teams won the ACC, I wouldn't be surprised. Ex- except Florida State. That that would shock me. <laughs> uh, if Florida State wins the ACC, um, I'm pretty sure we're in hell. Just going to yeah. tell you that right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's move on to week five. Um, it's loaded. That's all I can say about it. This is an absolutely loaded slate. We've got four ranked on ranked matchups. Um, and I think the real key here is that it's distributed very well across the day. Um, I think in week one, there were three premier games all happening at the same time, which does make it kind of uh, an issue on on the remote. But here we've got a beautiful balance. Uh, Arkansas, Georgia opens us at noon. Georgia is 18 and a half point point favorites. Arkansas last week was fun. We loved you killing Texas, doing the horns down, putting the horns down on the video board. That was delightful. <laughs> no one can take that away from you. Yeah. Um, Georgia is probably going to steal your soul. Yeah. I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen a top 10 matchup have such a disparity in the spread before. Yeah. Um, 18 and a half, like you said, in Arkansas is now number eight. 
I think Arkansas is a fraud top 10 team, but it's well-deserved. They've, they've, you know, they've had a great performance so far this year. I think this is going to be a very short-lived top 10 uh, run for Arkansas. Um, <clears throat> they might be able to contain Georgia's offense um, here and there, but Georgia's defense is going to shut down Arkansas's defense, in my opinion. If KJ yeah. Jefferson's hurt and they lock him down, I don't. They have such a great defensive front that I don't think they're going to be running the ball well. It's going to be physical, but I think Georgia's going to come out here, come yeah. out on top. Yeah, I, like you said, I do think there are going to be points where Arkansas bottles up the dogs, maybe turns them over a couple times. I think. Um, this is one of those games where you look at the halftime score and it's maybe, you know, Georgia 13-7, Georgia 13-10, and then you look at the score half of the fourth quarter and it's 24-10 Georgia. Um, I think it's one of those games where Arkansas just is not going to be able to stem the tide for four quarters. Yeah. Georgia's superior athletes, I think, will win out on offense eventually, um, especially – um, do we know what KJ Jefferson's deal is? Um, I is he gonna play? Does it matter if he plays? I'm not sure. Yeah, it's gonna be a real uh, first of many real tests for both these programs um, in terms of how, where they shape up going forward. Um, I think I'm gonna give Arkansas. Um, I'm gonna take them. I don't think they're gonna lose by over 18 and a half points. I think they'll. They'll either lose by 10, maybe 14. I think it might be a, a hard-fought game, but Georgia will ultimately come out on top here. Yeah, I, I think that's about what we're looking at. I think we could get a sneaky backdoor cover by the dogs, like I said, late in the fourth quarter, um, making the score look better than it actually might be. Um, so, I yeah, I think I'm still going to take, take the dogs here. Um, some other games to watch in the noon slate. Uh, we won't really be covering these, but just something you can flip around on if Georgia does indeed open up that can of whoop-ass. Michigan's at Wisconsin. Uh, that is noon on Fox. Wisconsin's favored um, by two points, which I found surprising. Uh, that's, yeah. That's what I'm thinking, too. I've watched Graham Mertz twice, and I think I know what, what's there. Uh, I will say Michigan is quickly that Michigan doesn't really have a lot of variety on offense. Um it's they answered that last week by saying, "Oh, you put eight people in the box. Yeah, we're still going to run it." Um, but yeah, uh, it's I think Michigan's going to be fine there. Yeah, uh, Pitt at Georgia Tech. That's a bit of a sickos game, but just noon ACC Network. Something to keep an eye on. Uh, Texas is at TCU. TCU for whatever reason owns the Longhorns' ass. I think they are seven and two the last nine years. Um, and they are five-point underdogs at home. That game is at noon on ABC. Our next game we're going to really get into here, um, my Fighting Irish are hosting the Cincinnati Bearcats, 2.30 NBC. Uh, Cincinnati is two-and-a-half-point road favorites, which I, which I found surprising. Um, and this is tough because I really think it would be really good for the sport if Cincinnati were to go undefeated, get into the playoff, um, maybe not win, even win a game, but but hang with the team, I think that would go a long way for everyone. However, as an Irish fan, I want to turn them into a little cute little mid-major grease spot. Mm, net, net, <laughs> net, 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 net. 
Is this the week Notre Dame loses again? Um, you know, I don't think so. I think I don't know. It's tough because they lost to Wisconsin last week. This would be a game they would lose to because Wisconsin and Cincinnati are fairly similar in terms of what they want to do. Um, Ritter is obviously better than Graham Mertz. Um, but Cincinnati, even to a greater degree than Wisconsin, doesn't quite have the athletes that Notre Dame does. Um, and that's one Notre Dame's game last week was their athletes. The Chris Tyree touchdown is a perfect example. No one on the field is faster than him. Um, and he found a crease and took it 96 yards. Um, their name is there's dynamic receivers who can make a play. Chris Tyree coming out of the backfield can make a play. I think that will be the difference, especially when Notre Dame has the ball. That being said, Desmond Ritter is very good. Um, Notre Dame will have to make throw it. Yeah, um, Desmond Riddler needs to show up for a full game, in my opinion. He yeah. he does really well in second halves, but every week so far in the first half, he has kind of been struggling. I think Cincinnati's going to need a complete game from Desmond Riddler, as well as Cincinnati playing the run well, because they play the pass really well defensively, and Notre Dame's own line's pretty shaky. So, you know, they could be able to bottle up. But like you said, they have great athletes. And it all depends if they can hang tight four quarters. Yeah. My – yeah. Cincinnati's going to have to get, get home on Jack Cohn. Um, he does not have the best pocket awareness and will kind of hold the ball too long and, and work himself into sacks. But Cincinnati has not been generating a lot of sacks this year. Only four yeah. on the season, and two of those games were against Murray State and Miami of Ohio. And no matter how bad Notre Dame's offensive line is, I'm going to guess it's a little bit better than Murray State's. Mm. Yeah. But so, and then Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, has shown a willingness to change his game plan a little bit. So even if Cincinnati starts to wreak havoc on the line. I think Notre Dame will be wise enough to avoid that, uh, whether it's with quick throws, shotguns, moving the pocket, maybe putting in those backup quarterbacks who are a little more mobile. Um, I do think this will be close. I think Notre Dame is on something like a 35-game home winning streak. Wow. I think the last time they lost at home was to Georgia, um, and that was a few years back. So they're t- the crowd may not be LSU Death Valley level, but it's a tough place to play. And it's a tough place to win. Yeah, I think this game will come down to capitalizing capitalizing on opportunity. I think yeah. a turnover here, a turnover there, and how the other team can they capitalize on that will decide the result of this game. Yeah, uh, I've got Notre Dame close, something like 27-24. Yeah, I, I, I'm about there. Um I would really like to see Notre Dame. I mean, it seems that they've just stopped the bleeding on explosive plays defensively. So I think they're starting to shape up. I would really like them to see them win. But, you know, my sicko side really wants to see Cincinnati make that playoff. But uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to take Notre Dame here. Okay. Um, right. Kicking off an hour later, Ole Miss, Alabama, 330 CBS. It's going to have the music. 
It's going to have Brad and Gary. It's going to have the whole shebang. Alabama is 14 and a half point favorites. I got three words for you about this game, Patrick. Woo, baby, gimme. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, baby, gimme. I like it. Um, the Rebels have lost five straight to the Tide. Will this be the sixth? I don't know. Let's take a look. Alabama hasn't looked invincible like last year. Um, they rank towards the bottom of the NCAA in penalties, and they have some questions on defense. And Ole Miss, they can sling the ball. They can run the ball. I think this is going to be a close game. I think, uh, you know, if we really want a good chaotic year, Ole Miss needs to win this game. Yeah. Um, and I think this is the best time to do it. You know, Alabama has shown the only ways you can beat them is drop 50 on them and s- somehow stop them on offense. It looks like their offense can be stopped with Florida last week or uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. And Ole Miss can de- definitely drop 50. Yeah, Ole Miss gets the benefit of a bye week as well. Granted, Alabama just had Southern Miss, so not really a, a full game there. Uh, Kiffin, you know, he he's a saving assistant. He's known to frustrate Alabama when, yeah. especially when Ole Miss has the ball. Um, I think Ole Miss can win this game. I do think this is the most gettable Alabama team. I think Ole Miss is a specific type of team that can get Alabama, but. Matt Crowell's going to have to play just about perfect. Uh, As we've seen when you're trying to beat Alabama, you can't give them free possessions, uh, and you cannot give them free points. So we can – Corral cannot have a bad pick six. He cannot have a strip sack because he's not holding the ball right. Um, You know, he can't dive for the end zone and fumble the ball out of the back of the end zone. Um, It's it's little things like that. And then on the flip side – Ole Miss's defense is much better than it was last year. Uh, from what we've seen, they will need to make some of those big plays. They will need to yeah. get a stop on third and short. They will need to, you know, they, they don't need to do much. Turns. I think uh, now, they just need to string together four good, not great quarters, and I think they can pull the upset. Yeah, and and I think the real key here, it, more than anything, is not getting down in a big hole. Florida managed to come back in the game a couple weeks ago after being down 21-3. I don't think Ole Miss's defense is as good as Florida's, so they cannot be counted on to be like, "Yo, y'all just hold it at 21 while we get while we you know get our pants on it and run out and catch the bus." That, <laughs> like that can't happen. Yeah, I'm uh, with you there. I, I I do think this game is going to be a little crazy. Um, Saban knows how much Kiffin frustrates him. So Alabama is certainly going to be on high alert, but I think we're going to see some crazy plays from Ole Miss. Um, maybe a few double passes, a flea flicker or two. Um, it's going to get nutty. Uh, the over under is 79 and a half. Um, so that is going to be absolutely delightful. I think we're going to see a ton of points either way. Um and it sets up very well. Like I said, Notre Dame Cincinnati is at 2.30. This kicks off at 3.30. You're going to be able to watch a lot of both games, um, which is really, really nice. Um, going back in time a little bit, Friday night, um, let me pause real quick. I love these Friday night games that are actually significant. I think it to spread it out a little bit over the course of the whole weekend is really enjoyable. And this is a great example of that Maryland 
who is just on the cusp of the top 25 in both AP and coaches polls is hosting number five, Iowa. Uh, are we finally going to see Iowa in a bad game state? They've really been lucky and they've just jumped out on teams early and just been able to suffocate them. Yeah. Um, this is going to be a tough matchup for a Tualia. Uh, I mean, they have a great offense, and Iowa's got probably one of the best defenses in the country. Yeah. Um, but Iowa has one of the worst offenses in the Big Ten, and uh, Maryland has a quality defense. They, I mean, they have a top 20 scoring defense, I think, and they could easily make Spencer uh, Petrus, Iowa's quarterback, day a living hell. Um, I, it's, this one's a kind of a tough matchup for me to look because Iowa's defense is so damn good, but, um, I I would love a Friday night opening, just salvo of Maryland punching them in the mouth and making this a great game. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of talked about this in in the last game here. I, I think it's all about how that first quarter goes. If Iowa gets up 14, nothing, the game's over. Like, yeah. They can just, you know, sit, take the air out of the ball, play their style of football, make Maryland play Iowa football. And that's not something Maryland's necessarily built for. On the flip side, Maryland gets out, get they get up 14-0. You know, they hit a big play, they get a turnover, something like that. And then Iowa has to try to air it out to catch up. I don't think they can do that. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm really, really interested in that. Like you said, Tugabailoa, this is a big test for him. If he passes this, he can cement himself as one of the nation's best quarterbacks. Um, maybe Dark Horse Heisman run, some NFL draft buzz. You know, obviously he has uh, the family connection with Tua. Um, Maryland's wide receivers are extremely dynamic. I'm very interested to see how they match up with Iowa's defense and if Maryland can um, hold Tyler Goodson in check, Iowa's running back who is an absolute bruiser. Yeah. Um, I actually have a nice little fun fact for you about uh, Tualia. This also says a lot about Maryland. Uh, Tualia is right now the third all-time in throwing 300-yard games, and he's only played in, what, like eight games? (laughs) Uh, That's pretty nuts. That, yeah, Maryland's quarterback luck um is truly the stuff of legends it was it wasn't even that long ago they had the sixth string quarterback who was a freshman linebacker who played quarterback in high school but he didn't even play real quarterback he paid he played option quarterback um and somehow stefan diggs was still catching touchdowns so I, i think that says a lot about diggs but the there was a stretch where I think every for four or five straight years, Maryland starting quarterback tore their ACL. Um, so it's kind of like they're getting karmic payback right now with uh, Tagovailoa, someone this dynamic. Right. Jumping uh, ahead, back ahead to three thirty. Um, this I'm not. I'm I'm doing the sicko laugh. It's Ohio State Rutgers at three thirty on on Big Ten Network. Um, Ohio State is 15 and a half point favorites, but Rutgers is feisty. Yeah, um, I don't think uh, I don't have much on this game because Rutgers is feisty, but they won't keep up. And that feistiness kind of runs out as the season goes on. So 
The only question I have here is if CJ Stroud's going to be back this week. I know he took last week off um, to rest uh, because they're playing Akron. Um, but I, I'm going to take Ohio State here just because it's – I mean, Rutgers likes to be feisty, but Ohio State's going to easily take care of this game. Yeah. My only hope is it is in Piscataway. And Ohio State seems incapable of playing a normal game. So I'm looking forward to some chaos here. The opening game against Minnesota was wild. They needed that uh, late strip sack score to really seal that one. The Oregon game was was great. Um, Ohio State scored a touchdown when Oregon was just looking at the wristbands. Um, and then last week, Kevon Pope just quit the team in the middle of the game. Yeah, uh, fuck Ohio State, as he tweeted. Yeah, that that um, was that was something. Um, we that was bizarre. We've slowly been ratcheting up the weirdness. There's this insane message board scandal happening right now, where posters wanted to show how plugged in they were and were paying injured Ohio State players to give them practice intel. And also, we're still we're illegally changing fantasy football lineups to try to get the pot in the in the message board league. Um, this is a program that is very strange right now, and I'm excited to see what playing Rutgers uh, does to that equation. Yeah, that's right. You know, set a match to the gasoline. Uh, it'd be great. Uh, that would be something that could completely implodes that program. And I am with you on seeing that happen. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, and we want to talk about like 2007, a chaos year, crazy, sicko, whatever word you want to use. Ohio State losing to Oregon isn't that wild in in, in the grand scheme of things. Ohio State losing to Rutgers, that's a little bit different. That is full-blown, we're on the Fury Road, insanity. Yeah. And that's truly what I'm hoping for. Speaking of insanity, Auburn is at LSU for a 9 o'clock Eastern kickoff time. That is dangerously late. Those Tiger fans are going have been hydrating for 14 hours. That can't be safe. <laughs> I wish I was down there uh, for a 9 o'clock game. I, I don't. I'd be dead. Uh, <laughs> I went to a night game a few years ago and I barely made it um, at a seven o'clock. I can't imagine a nine o'clock for sure. Um, yeah, this is um, a make or break game for Coach O. Um, if he wants to hold on to his job for at least one more year, this is a must win. And I think he's going to win pretty handedly. Um, the jury's still out in Auburn. I mean, they crushed inferior talent for two weeks. They were outclassed in a close game to Penn State. And then they were one pretty questionable bad call away from losing to Georgia State. Yeah. That um, was, yeah. It's that, Bo Nix got benched. Yep. Um, our friend Nick asked us what we thought about that. Do you think he asked if he's still a starter this weekend? I looked at the depth chart. It just came out uh, right before we recorded and he is listed as the starter, but I think the better question is, is does he get pulled again? He probably will. Um, yeah. He, it's not like there's that much great talent behind him. They got TJ Finley behind him, and he sucks. So it yeah. says a lot if your coach benches you for TJ Finley. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm concerned about Auburn. I, I, I think 
losing to Penn State might have been the peak of the season. Um, they seem a little lost out there. Yeah. Um, Georgia's, I mean, getting bailed out against Georgia State, that's an issue. Um, uh, but LSU is, an, is a team that they jumped all over Mississippi State and then almost blew it. Um, I wonder if we're going to see something similar in, in this uh, game. We'll see. It, it's uh, They seem to have found an identity as a potent passing attack behind quarterback Max Johnson. And they aren't turning the ball over like they did in 2020. So I think they've kind of righted the ship a little bit. Yes, they uh, almost let Mich- uh, Mississippi State come back. But um, <clears throat> I think that's more of a testament to Mississippi State not going down without a fight. And kind of Coach O just parking the bus thinking, yeah, we got this game in hand. But um, I don't think <clears> – <throat> I think LSU is going to win this game. And I don't think there's going to be a question about it. Okay. Uh, elsewhere in the SEC, Florida, Kentucky. Um, I am just interested to watch Emory Jones and the rest yeah. of their offense against a defensive Kentucky's caliber. Yeah. Um, Dan Mullen's faith in Emory Jones has paid off, like we said. Uh, the Gators have topped 500 yards in three of the past four weeks, um, and they face pretty competent defense. Um, my interesting, interesting thing about Kentucky, though, is – the fact that they're 4-0 is very wild to me. Um, they are negative. They're minus nine in the turnover margins, and that should not translate to being undefeated. Um, yeah, they really struggled with, I think it was Chattanooga? Mm-hmm. Was it uh, a, a couple weeks ago? Um, that is never a good sign. Yeah, it was Chattanooga. Um, yeah, only being South Carolina 16-10. The offense isn't very good, so – I think Florida wins this game going away, but yeah. I I am interested to see that uh, Gator offense Wildcat defense matchup. It's it's like how you said with Alabama Ole Miss, um, the way that Kentucky's turning turning over the ball, you cannot give a top ten program extra possessions. Yeah, it's that's you're not going to win this game if you turn the ball over. Yeah, speaking of turning the ball over in bad situations, Oklahoma Kansas State. Uh, this is the game that got Oklahoma last year. Rattler was awful. Um, is this the week they finally stumble? No. Um, yeah. So this game was really interesting for me like th- two or three weeks ago. Now I don't give a damn. Um, it was the, their star, uh, the Wildcats star quarterback, Skylar Thompson, went down with a knee injury. And then the backup last week went down last weekend. Yeah. So now their offense is being run by third string quarterback Jaron Lewis, and it looked awful. Yeah. Um, and if he's starting Saturday, this is going to be an easy win for Oklahoma. Yeah. I think even if, if the backable Howard is healthy, he wasn't inspiring much confidence either. I, yeah, I, I think Oklahoma wins this game kind of, kind of comfortably, unless Rattler again has a, you know, three yeah. or meltdown, which, which I, I, I don't see that happening either. Um, they live another week. Yeah, that game is 3.30 on Fox if you want to check that one out. Elsewhere in the Big 12, this game uh, between two teams who might not even be that good, but they're both undefeated, and it is Baylor at Oklahoma State. Three-and-a-half-point favorites are the Cowboys. This is 7 o'clock ESPN2. I just want to see if these teams are for real. Um, yeah. We will find out one of these teams uh, could be extremely for real, and one of these teams could be an absolute fraud. 
Um, but, you know, this could be a game where it's 31-28, 35-32, or a really close, good, well-played game, um, which I, I think might be best for the conference since Oklahoma isn't exactly lighting it up, um, that the loser of this game still would have an outside shot. Yeah. Um, Baylor, you know, 4-4-0 four and four and right now since their 2-7 2020 campaign. It's very surprising where they've come from. Um, but I think Oklahoma State wins this game pretty handedly. Um, they have a chance to go 5-0 since 2015. Their defense has remained constant. And the key thing here is they find ways to win, which is what you want in the program. So I think quarterback Spencer Sanders in the offense uh, needs to be a little bit wary of turning the ball over. But I think they have a game like last week's at Kansas State, and they secure the win here. I think I'm going to go Baylor. I, I think Aranda and that and the Bears defense is just going to put Spencer Sanders in the damn blender. Man, last week this guy was talking down about Baylor, and now he's already right on chip with them. I love that's it. Right. Uh, that's what I do. I just hop ship back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the week five preview. We got a ton of good games. Uh, late night, even we have Arizona State at UCLA, ten thirty. Uh, ranked Fresno State goes on the road to Hawaii. That kicks off at eleven. Um, so there will definitely be ample opportunity to watch games late into the night. And then the crown jewel, the absolute most disgusting, vile, just unholy game, UConn at Vandy, 7.30, ESPNU. Yep, and um, I'm going to be trying to watch this game while I'm cutting a rug on the dance floor uh, this wedding this weekend. That yep. is a game you do not want to miss. Absolutely. You don't want to miss it. Throw yeah. it on the second screen. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be so ugly. It's. I'm, I'm excited. Truly might be the most wretched game of the year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It's – It's. man, UConn, uh, I think all their coaches are technically fired right now. Yeah. None of them have contracts. <laughs> yeah. They're, they've been told to uh, – first off, one guy tried to retire, but he just got fired, their head coach. And the rest of the coaching staff was recently told, you don't have a job after the final game of the season. So – <laughs> We'll see it's, how this goes. It's wonderful. Yeah. Okay, let's wrap this supersized episode up with a few listener questions from Scotty B. He says, which three head coaches are on the hottest hot seats? For, for me, I got to start with Justin Puente. Uh, that North Carolina win looks worse by the week. And you got to put Richmond away better than that, bud. Yep. And you're, you're flirting with disaster right now, Justin. And that loss is coming. And – when it hits, uh, you might as well start packing your bags, buddy. Yeah. Uh, who, who's number one on your list? Manny Diaz. Yeah. Um, oh, boy. Things gone south. <laughs> this guy should have taken the Rutgers job when he had the chance. <laughs> uh, this program's going nowhere. I mean, and it, that's really bad for the talent they get year after year. Yeah. There, there's been no sign of improvement. There's no sign of life on offense. It's This guy might not make it to the end of the year. Yeah, next up for me is Nick Rolovich. Um, this Get guy, that bomb out of there, dude. He, in addition to being like, "Durr, my personal freedoms about the vaccine," and just acting like a petulant little child, and just making it all about him and his decision to needle. Um, they're they're bad. Yeah, the team is 
the team's not good enough for him to pull this act. Mike Lee should get away with this when he was there talking about, you know, swinging your sword and being a little weirdo because they were winning. Um, Washington State has been downright bad this year. They lost to Utah State to open the year. They got their doors blown off by USC, who just got killed by Oregon State. Um, they lost to a bad Utah team. Where are we going with this? They're recruiting terribly. I don't I just, know what's going on here. It's just the, the the fan base is calling for his job nonstop. Even the faculty is calling for his job. And the school is like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's it, it's just a circus. And at, at some point, if you're only, you're only wins against an FCS team, the circus isn't worth it. Yeah. Um, who's your second hot seat coach? Another ACC coach, Mike Norvell for Florida State. Um, that dude's getting taken to the shed out back pretty soon. Um, yeah. This guy is oof, dead man walking, folks. This is going to be a guaranteed fire here soon. Yeah, they are 0-4 in the ACC, and their best – boy, their best loss, I guess, was the overtime loss to Notre Dame. Um, but – they they got worked by Louisville at home, um, blown out by Wake Forest. The the loss of Jacksonville State, uh, it's not great. Yeah, and I mean, it's either you fire him and pay money, even though they're still paying Willie Taggart, or just uh, if you keep him here, it's going to be continued disarray and awful football for a year more, maybe more. It's just. Yeah. It's not looking good at Florida State, and I think they just need to start over again. It's tough. Yeah. Who, who's your final coach? Matt Campbell, Iowa State. Um, Ooh. I think he's 2-2 two and two starting the year when they were a dark horse playoff team starting the year. Um, <clears throat> they haven't looked good. Uh, yeah. They, they've been, yeah. On the, they've been on the cusp for a while for, of greatness, and they've had the talent, and they've had – the time to do it. And it's just Matt Campbell cannot deliver. Yeah, it is. They just, they just have looked so flat. Yeah. I think it's the thing. Like if, if they had lost that Iowa game in a fashion similar to the Baylor game, I think I'd be more willing to give them a pass, but they really struggled with Northern Iowa to open the year. Mm -hmm. Killed by Iowa. Yeah. It's, 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 it's weird. I I don't, yeah, I don't think he's gonna get fired this like uh, during the season. Yeah. I think the, the 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 program and the school has enough respect for the coach to let him finish out the year. But I think he is very hot right now. Yeah, uh, my final coach is Coach O at LSU. Even though they made up for last season by beating Mississippi State, there's a lot of concerns in Baton Rouge. Um, I know they just won the title. Um, but they have a certain expectation down there to they want to be in that elite class and they should and they and the fan base feels that they should be given their recruiting advantages they're the only power five school in a very talent rich state um thank you Huey Long for setting it up like that um and they have higher expectations than what he's been delivering the past season and a half um I think he can kind of quiet all that down with a win this weekend against Auburn. But the other side of that coin is a loss at home to Auburn is really going to turn up the heat. Yeah, I agree with you. 
Our friend Scotty B asked us the second question here. He said, which is the bigger surprise, Arkansas success or Clemson's collapse? Uh, Clemson's collapse for me. Uh, we yeah. already kind of knew Arkansas was a team to look out for, but no one predicted Dabo's offense to be this atrocious. Yeah, I can't remember the last time one of the big four looked so lost on one side of the ball. Yeah. Um, and like – I said earlier, talking about DJU's two starts last year, he was great. Um, so I, I think this just like the, the offense has just fallen off a complete cliff. Um, and, you know, teams kind of rise up and have fun, unexpected seasons fairly regularly. And I, I think maybe we've been spoiled is probably the wrong word because I don't love this. But the amount of consistency and continuity we've seen from those elite programs has been so constant that not having it one year is just such a shock to the system. Yeah. Our final question from Tony is Rutgers officially the go-to cover bet the rest of the season. I feel like they always have been the go-to cover bet. Yeah. I'm saying yes. They're feisty. Yeah. Uh, I mean, looking at their schedule, they have Ohio state, Michigan state, and then Northwestern, Illinois, Wisconsin, Indiana, Penn State, Maryland. So I would say yes. I would take I would take them to cover many times. Nice. And that's how we're ending it this week, folks, on Rutgers football.